Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have in studio with us this week, Angelina Jenis from our CX team. Hi, Angelina. Hello. And we want to talk to you this time about CX teams. And this is because we are excited to have some fresh new data about where they sit in the organization, their responsibilities, their budgets, their headcounts, all that good stuff that I know a lot of our listeners will be eager to hear and learn about to compare themselves with. So Angelina, start us off. What's different, I guess, because we did this survey maybe two years ago or so. What really stands out to you as sort of the biggest differences in the last two years in terms of CX teams, you know, where they sit, their, their makeup and all of those sort of high-level stats about CX teams? Sure. As we've said in a previous podcast, there's been an explosion in chief customer officer roles being created. And we saw a reflection of that in the survey results. Whereas traditionally, marketing is a stronghold for CX teams, a large portion now sit directly under a centralized chief customer officer. Other changes we saw, some budgets grew Some team sizes grew, but most team sizes actually stayed the same. It was the responsibilities that they were taking on that grew. So we have small, mighty CX teams doing more than ever before. Got it. I like that first point in particular because you had written that research about the sort of explosion of titles, I think, that you'd found mostly on LinkedIn, right, that you were sort of sampling out in the data. So it's nice to get confirmation of that when we ask these people directly that, yes, indeed, those are real titles and they're actually the people we're serving are reporting in to that, that title, which you would hope that the chief customer officer would have CX under them. But it's nice to get confirmation of that in the data. Right. And again, it's still quite distributed. So 22% sit under marketing. CX teams, 19% sit under chief customer or chief experience officers. And that is not a statistically significant difference. And then they're spread out to product management, operations, customer support. So it's quite mixed. Yeah. And that's a trend that we've observed for at least 15 years or so here, just to say that marketing has always been the department where it's most likely to report into, but it's gotten less common each time we've asked, which is a really interesting trend that you're almost at the end of that trend, right? That CCO, standalone CCO is about even with marketing. Mm -hmm. It used to be more than half were in marketing and now it's down to one in five just about. And with the CCO maybe overtaking it the next time we ask in 2021. So you sort of alluded to the idea of these small but mighty teams taking on additional responsibilities. So what are some of the responsibilities and what are the ones that maybe we saw a real uptick from two years ago? Sure. So the biggest responsibilities are still CX strategy at 75%, for example, prioritization and resource allocation, CX measurement at 71%, CX vision at 70%, experience design at 65%, and then slowly going down to customer-centric culture, customer research, voice of customer, surprising that that was so low on the list, Hmm. relatively speaking, and CX governance. And a lot of individuals checked off multiples. The average number of responsibilities selected was 5.4, but considering that all of these options have more than 50%, most people are doing everything. That's interesting. The customer-centric culture, that was one, right? Mm -hmm. And what was the percentage of people that said they were doing that? 65% said that they were doing customer-centric culture. That was also topping the list for greatest challenge this year. (laughs) That's why I was curious to know exactly what that means. But I know that when we talk to CX professionals needing to evangelize and sort of prove why you do what you do and get other teams on board, either to help brainstorm with you or enact the change is important. Mm-hmm. So I actually would have thought that would have been one of the highest responses because I know a lot of people need to work on that and say that they're working on it. 
Mm-hmm. It's a big challenge, and a lot are trying to solve it by adding training as mm-hmm. a capability to their teams. We saw that as a big skill they'd like to add should they hire in the near future. A lot of experienced designers to go out and consult with business units or functions. So we are seeing an investment happening to break through that culture. But considering 45% said that they are getting lip service rather than executive buy-in, there's a challenge happening from the top. Yeah, I think you pinpointed it there, right? They're not working on culture if they don't have permission to, because that's really where they go outside of the bounds of what a traditional CX team does or their span of control where they can largely do it on their own. Yeah, that's what I think is so interesting, though, because if they are elevating CX to a C-level role, right, you would think that it's not just going to be lip service. But then why is it still lip service? Is it because having that role is in part lip service because then they're not equipped with the budget and the resources to actually enact the change? Or what do you think that means? Well, it's funny. I just did some interviews for a report on executive alignment that I was writing, and it seems like the biggest issue based on those interviews is actually getting all of the executives on board. You may have one executive champion, you may have a chief customer officer who could be new to the organization or be new to being an executive. So even though you have an executive champion, you are still working to get other executives on board that can enable the rest of the organization. Yeah, I agree with that. And I've seen that a lot where the chief customer officer is sort of the organization puffing out its chest to say, see, see how serious, see how not paying lip service to this we are. And yet, as Angelina just said, that can actually be a distraction from that hard work of getting all the other executives on board because they can actually now point to this one peer of theirs to say, oh, good, CCO's got this, which means I don't have to. And it's not to say that when they couldn't have it, but also they have it with working with you, rest of the C-suite. And oftentimes they're not seeing that as part of why you would appoint a CCO. They're seeing it as good. They now own all of that stuff. I actually saw something interesting regarding why team size is staying small. In the executive buy-in question, one person responded, there's an executive goal to keep the CX team small so that they can empower the rest of the organization. So the metrics we may look at on this survey in particular to think of as successful, oh, they're growing their team, they're growing their budget, may not be what executives think would show success. Yeah. Those of you listening, I sort of eye-rolled when I heard that, though, that they're keeping the team intentionally small because that gets at the question of democratization of these skills, right? And it's important to democratize the mindset of a customer-centric perspective because then all these other parts of the organization have to be on board with it so that they can also execute against it. But when it comes to the actual skill sets and methodologies, right, and areas of expertise that CX employees have, those are things that are worth hiring for. At least I think so. I don't know if if you guys have a different perspective or a take on that. No, I completely agree. I think a lot of executives don't realize that even if people across the organization are bought into customer centricity and have the same skills on paper as a CX team, they actually don't know how to optimize the customer experience holistically. And that takes a lot of coordination. And a CX team needs to be of a certain size to really make that happen in a lot of organizations. All right. So they're not necessarily putting more money into headcount. Are they putting more money in general into a CX team? Are their budgets increasing for to spend on some of the things that a CX team needs to do to be successful? Great question. And the answer is unfortunately no. (laughs) It's interesting because I do follow up interviews on these. And in some cases, they feel they already have what they need and they just need to work on that buy-in because they don't want to be under pressure to prove the increasing budget that Mm. they're holding on to. 
I think a lot of these leaders are predicting some hard times ahead, and they're being a little cautious with what they're asking for. I have seen in the data, people did expect their budgets to grow a little bit. They were investing in data science as the thing moving forward. I agree with you. I think that if you're not invested in headcount or budget-wise to do the things that would be priorities of an organization that was truly invested in customer experience transformation, it's hard to see past it being just lip service. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious about this, like organizations that say they're really into something, but then don't invest in it enough to make it happen. What do they think is going to happen other than this will lead to cynicism when it fails to return the progress that the organization was hoping for? It seems like they're just setting themselves up for failure in a really odd way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we are having to continuously encourage CX pros to do ROI modeling. And we sound like a broken record, but they can't expect to grow their budget unless they can extrapolate what they will be able to achieve, make some assumptions and actually put themselves out there and dream bigger than what they're currently doing to make an impact. So you mentioned looking forward what these teams will be growing their investment in, mm -hmm. even though some of this is staying relatively flat. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned data science. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to what we think this investment in data science is coming from, if it's because measurement is one of their key responsibilities, and so that can support it, or if it's because we think emerging technologies are coming in, and so they want more people that are data savvy and understand algorithms to be sort of a part of the CX team. Was that in the survey? Survey, or has that been in any of your follow-up questions to sort of have a guess? Mm -hmm. It has been in follow-up. And the best example of why they're investing in data science that I heard actually came from an anonymous but actually externally facing CX team. Because remember, it's not just completely internal CX teams. We have companies that are set up with CX teams that serve their customers as well. And just as you guessed, what the customer wants is getting more complicated. Mm -hmm. So they have to be one step ahead of the customer to understand what are these paths these customers are going on. On. How are they using our tools? And what is the holistic picture of them? And also just what should we actually focus on? Because there's more and more data, but the insights aren't necessarily bigger. So it can be a huge waste of time if you're not sophisticated in how you analyze it. Yes. How do we piece together this picture to understand our customer? And then also probably how are we going to execute against it with a personalization strategy as well? Mm -hmm. Which is why it's so interesting that so data science topped the list for an investment, 52%, but the close follows were customer experience measurement, no surprise there, mm -hmm. 50%, and design thinking also at 50%. So what are we going to do with these insights? What does that mean? They're going to hire more people that just have a design thinking mindset or will employ the design thinking process. And then also that's interesting if that's not something that they currently already are doing. I know. The investment in design thinking is because it seems to be the number one tool to really connect with the other business units. Yeah. In my interviews, I found that data science and customer experience measurement allow you to be a center of excellence. The design thinking allows you to take that consulting role and work with those other teams to start collaborating. Yeah, that's great. That makes sense. All right. So let's say it is 2021. We've run the survey again. What would you expect to find has changed? I think we'll see finally a move up in budgets. We have a lot of clients that aren't yet investing in CRMs, VOC. There are leadership changes that are starting to take place where new executives are actually bought into this. And so those who are stagnating are finally going to move up with that regime change. And we will actually see maturity and disciplines actually start to move up as well. 
Great. Well, thank you for joining us to talk us through the data, the results. Listeners, we posted a link to the report in the show notes, which you can peruse for evidence and data backing for your case to get more headcount or more budget in your organization. And we'll talk to you all on next week's episode of the CX Cast. Goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.